So, good afternoon, everyone. Today is the last Sunday uh, of the first quarter in 2021. And I do feel that time really flies. Uh, there is a saying in Korea in the past that uh, when you're in your 20s, uh, time goes by at the speed of 20 kilometers per hour. When you're in your, in your 50s, and time goes by at the speed of 50 kilometers per hour. But these days, I feel that uh, whether you're young or old, everyone feels that time really flies. <laughs> yeah, the day of the Lord is getting nearer. Uh, we shall remember. Now, uh, we're in chapter 6. Uh, so please turn to uh, page 7 in your bulletins. We're going to be dealing with uh, verses one, uh, 11 through uh, 16, actually uh, 1 through 16, I shall explain to you later. Now, uh, please stand if you're able uh, for the reading of God's words. 1 Timothy chapter 6, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made, a good, you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of King, kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. You may be seated. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this time. Lord, uh, time does fly. Lord, sometimes we think that we have so many days ahead of us. But Moses said that it is uh, like a sigh. Flower fades, flower falls, the grass fades. Lord, our flesh is getting old and withers, and we shall be called to stand before you. Lord, when we think about the day of the Lord, we're, we're far from being prepared. We, we believe that we shall stand before you uncondemned, received, and welcomed because we're in Christ Jesus. But Lord, we shall also prepare ourselves in faith to meet you. And today will be the day of small preparation uh, toward that day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as the Apostle Paul closes his first letter to Tim Timothy, his son in faith, spiritual son, he gives him the final charges. Now, verse 11, he says, As for you, referring to Timothy, a man of God. Now, Paul calls Timothy a man of God. Uh, o man of God, I'm sorry. Because he's a chosen one to serve God. In particular, Timothy was a full-time minister of the gospel, as Paul was. 
Now, we tend to regard those whose primary vocation is, is the gospel ministry as men of God. This may be true, however, in a broader sense, every believer, every person, every believer is called by God to serve Him. So every believer is a man of God or a woman of God who belong to Him. And also every believer is a priest before God in a spiritual sense. Peter says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood in Second Peter, First Peter, chapter two. So, even though the text is written to Timothy, a minister, full-time minister, it could also be applied to every believer. I believe, whether minister or layperson, so it, it could be applied to you and me as well. He says, uh, "As for you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love." steadfastness, and gentleness. Now, Paul says here two things to Timothy. First, flee these things. And secondly, pursue these things. There are six things to pursue. Now, what are the things that Timothy is told to flee or abstain from? Now, Paul is referring to the previous instructions, basically, uh, that are found in the first half of chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. However, we did not cover verses 1 through 10 in the last, uh, last Sunday because uh, Jonathan, uh, Pastor Jonathan, he, had to pr he, he preached the text he was scheduled to preach in the previous, uh, previously, so you can blame him. We did not cover that. Well, uh, you may find an insert. Uh, you know, I was preparing for this sermon, and this morning I was struggling, you know, because we're going to be going back and forth. So instead of, of referring to you know, uh, the verses you know, from memory, why don't we just have this text written, you know, prepared in front of you? So you may refer to that as we go through this section. Now, in the previous section, I'm talking about uh, verses 1 through 10, Paul basically warned Timothy about two dangers. Now first, the danger of false teachers, who, in verse 5, who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness, godliness is a means of gain. Now, what does that mean? There were false teachers already in the first century who used godliness, namely religion, false Christianity, as a means of gain, to gain money, wealth. The Apostle Paul repeatedly talked about these false teachers and their main motive was to gain wealth. For instance, in the letter to, uh, to Philippians, Paul spoke against false teachers and, and considered them as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, For many, he says many, not just few, many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He's referring to false teachers. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Now today, there are many false teachers. Paul is talking about basically uh, prosperity gospel preachers or in the Korean term, blessing-focused faith. You have 
some of those in the States, and we have many in Korea as well. Now, their, their primary goal to use in using false Christianity is to gain money. And the reason there, why there are many false teachers is because there are many false believers. Where there is demand, there will always be supply. Now, false teachers cannot exist without false followers. There are drug dealers because there are many drug users. There are many false teachers who use false Christianity to get money because there are many wrong believers, false believers, who just want money and prosperity from God. They, didn't, they, didn't, they don't want God or His truth. So we have to be alert. We have to stay awake. This is particularly relevant to believers today because the love of money, love of money is the most common religion these days. Paul says in the second letter to Timothy, the world will be full of money lovers as time goes by. Second Timothy verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, understand this, beware of this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, times of difficulty, not times of happiness or easy times, times of difficulties, because for many will be lovers of self and lovers of money. So we're in the in the in we're we're in the in the in the right at the in the middle of the culture that is so obsessed with money, and the word of God gives us serious warning. Uh, to believers that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the, from the faith. I don't think it is talking about losing salvation. Some here could be referring to born-again Christians. But they wander away from the faith, meaning that they live functionally as unbelievers because they worship money. And pierce themselves with many pangs. Now, Paul says, when a believer loves money more than he loves God, it is like committing a spiritual suicide. I believe we understand what we're talking about. How easy for believers to fall into this temptation, this trap. I heard some young uh, Christians from the KM that when they were singles, they, did not, they didn't think they loved money. But when they get married and start have ki having kids or having a child, their craving for money became almost uncontrollable. Now, to me, I, I, I'm not blaming them. I'm just, you know, as an example. Now, it doesn't mean that they did not love money. Their love for money became surfaced when circumstance changed. So stay single. If you're single, if you stay away from the love of money, you know, that's, you know, probably better. <laughs> yeah. It is because in the Korean culture, to love their children, to love their, to love their child, they believe that they must have much money, a lot of money. 
I, found, I find that many are tempted to love money and crave for money through SNSs, like Instagram or Facebook. You see people having things that you want to have or enjoying the life that you want to enjoy, and they even brag about what they have and what they enjoy. It creates lots of you know, longing for money, right? And I don't do Instagram, but I heard from uh, a couple that, you know, they have like, you know, uh, eight-month-old kid. And when they tag like eight-month-old kid on Instagram, all kinds of eight-month-old kids pop up and show what they have, what they enjoy. Like, you know, fancy chair, you know, you know expensive toys and stuff like that. And in the Korean culture especially, you want to love their children with, by giving them, you know, expensive things. So they think they want, they, they want money. Now, we live in a culture in which loving and pursuing money is not regarded as sin or shame at all. Now, in, in, in the old days in Korea, if you talk about money, like, you know, in, in conversation, you are regarded as like, like, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, sort of like, you know, uh, indecent person, you know, you're just, you're, you're, uh, you're not a decent person when you talk about money often. But these days, people freely talk about money. You know, when I meet my friends, you know, my high school friends, non-believers, 90, 90% of what they talk about is money and children. And those are related, money and children. Now, let me ask you this question. Now, when people say, Everyone loves money and pursues money. And what is wrong with that? So in that regard, let me ask you this question. Why is it wrong to love money? Why is it wrong to love money? As long as you don't steal or hurt others. You may have that argument, you know. What's wrong with loving money, you know? As long as I don't hurt or cheat or steal, now, one of the places in the Bible that talks about money is in the book of Ecclesiastes. I have a hard time pronouncing this. Ecclesiastes. It is very shocking to find a verse like this one. Solomon says, money answers everything. <laughs> it's interesting to find a verse like this in the Bible. Money gives answer to everything. In chapter 1, verse 19. Check it out later. Then what is wrong with, with loving money? You work hard and you try to you know, take the responsibility in life by making and saving money and what is wrong with that? I work hard and I make money and I save for my future, for my children, and what is wrong with that? Now, we'll talk about the difference between being responsible financially and loving money later. But let's talk about this. Why loving money is evil. The, it, 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 you know, Paul says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Why? Because the primary reason why the love of money is evil is because when someone loves money, he cannot keep the first commandment. That is why. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Here, serve means love. The love of money and the love for God are mutually exclusive. You see these kind of teachings in different places. For instance, John chapter, First uh, John chapter two. John says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world." Talking about money included. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So when we love money, we cannot love God or even hate Him. Now, what does it mean to love money? I mean, how do you know that you love money or you're just being responsible? How can we draw a line between being responsible financially and loving money, which is sin, evil? I mean, you can have an excuse, I'm, I'm just being diligent and responsible with my, with my finance and trying to, you know, serve my family and you know prepare for my future you know even bible talks about that look at ants and how they you know diligently work hard to save for rainy seasons what is wrong with that does that mean that he loves money if someone does that i believe one of the keys to determine whether someone is being financially financially responsible or loving money is that when he becomes Anxious to have or save more than God provides. I mean, God provides, you know. And you can save, nothing wrong with that. But when, we are, when we're anxious to save and have more and save more, then God provides. That's loving money. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6, referring to, uh, let's go to verse 9. Paul says, But those who desire to be rich, those who desire to be rich are the ones who love money. I don't think those who desire to be rich here means only the ones who want to become a millionaire. I think it includes those who want to have more than God provides, then you, you desire to be rich. It is a sign that you desire to be rich. You know, we believe in the doctrine of the sovereignty of God, that all and every circumstance is engineered by God. God engineers everything Every circumstance in our lives, including financial circumstance. So, the doctrine of the sovereignty of God teaches that we can only have what God has given to us. You have what God has given to you. Therefore, we do not have certain things because God has not given them to us. You believe that? You do not have certain things, and I do not have certain things because God has not given them to us. For our life and faith and for our good. 
So when someone loves money, wanting to have more than he has, more than God provides, it means that he's not content with what he what he what is what is given to you, what God has given to you. Contentment in a in the biblical sense is believing that you have what God wants you to have for your life and faith. Even poverty, when it's given by God, it is given for our good. Richard Sipps, a 17th century Anglican theologian, he says, poverty and affliction take away the fuel that feeds pride. So when poverty is given or when much money is not given to you or to me, probably God is working on our humility or our dependence on Him, on our faith, for good reason. On the other hand, discontentment is a sign of unbelief. You're not happy with the way God is dealing with your life. God who is good and sovereign and perfect, and He's dealing with your life, He's, he's, he's giving you what He wants you to have, what He wants me to have, and I'm not content with what I have. I'm not content with God, ultimately. Discontentment is a sign of unbelief. Discontentment, which, is, which happens so easily in our heart, or the love of money, is a sinful effort to try to have your circumstance to meet your expectation. We need to bring our expectation to meet our circumstance. That's contentment. Finding satisfaction and thanks, uh, thankfulness in what we have. That's contentment. But trying to bring our circumstance to make our circumstance to meet our expectation. That's discontentment. When we love money, we're actually saying to God, your provision is not enough. I'm not happy with that. And it's not even fair. Look at what others have. Look at what, what he has. Look at what... What, what those people have. Thinking that wealth is always good. I mean, today's culture promotes this philosophy. Wealth is always good and right. But in the biblical sense, wealth can be a curse. Paul says, Flee the danger of the love of money because it leads to unbelief. It is because when we love money, we cannot love God or trust Him. <coughs> Therefore, a man of God should not be a lover of money. I think we need to be carefully, we need to carefully examine ourselves whether we are free from the love of money or not. We need to, we need to find, fight the spiritual battle against the love and the temptation of money every day. Since money is the strongest idol for many people these days. I have a confession to make. I thought when I was doing business, I wasn't loving money, right? Because I, had, I always had enough money. So I thought, you know, I was generous, you know, in giving and serving. I didn't think I was loving money. But even uh, it was only when I became the pastor, became a pastor, 
and my craving for money grew stronger. I'm talking about in my early days. Because I did not have what I used to have. That created, that, that, that revealed my sinful uh, nature that I also loved money as a pastor. So we got to be careful and we need to fight against this idol every day. I think I told you this joke. Uh, the elderly people in Gangnam you know, who cannot even walk outside, you know, who, are, who have health issues, they don't want to go to restaurants and they don't want to go to movies, and, but the only place they, they want to go is to buying real estate, to buy real estate in the countryside to make more money. That's interesting to me because, I mean, that, which, is, which is partly true. I mean, they do that. You know, they go different places and to buy real estate to make more money. Their craving for money doesn't get old. When, when they get old, they, their craving for money doesn't get old. I mean, thinking that, I mean, it's just, it's just foolishness to me. You know, they get old, they're old, you know, they, they, don't, they can't even spend money for, on food or on leisure because they're, they're so old, but they still crave for more, more money. I often find myself criticizing the prosperity gospel with my lips, but desiring prosperity in my heart. We have to admit that we are not free from the love of money. We desire prosperity in our heart. Paul says, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Now, you do not want six sermons on each one, on each one of these. So I'm going to uh, focus just one on gentleness. Now, when we pursue these spiritual virtues, spiritual virtues, we can become more and more like Christ and become more and more, I believe, free from the love of money. Now, here Paul lists six spiritual virtues from righteousness to gentleness. But we're going to be focusing on the last one, gentleness. Now, when you hear or read the word gentleness or, or gentle in the Bible, what do you picture in your mind? Now, gentle or gentleness is the word Christ used for describing who he is. Now, in the, in, in the four Gospels, you know, basically talking about Christ's life and death, Christ's you know, teaching and Christ's miracles, it basically talking about what Christ, who Christ was and who Christ, what Christ did. Out of all those you know, four Gospels, and which is about 89 chapters and 3,779 verses, there is only one place Christ explained who he is in heart. There's only one place. If you find another, I'll, I'll treat you dinner. It's Matthew 11. Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am gentle in heart. This is the only place Christ said, introduced, explains about his heart, who he is. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, being gentle uh, here does not mean being weak. It means being tender and submissive in heart. It means or, a childlike heart that trusts in his Father. 
Being gentle means being, having a tender heart, a childlike tender heart that trusts in his father. Now, talking about you know, tender or soft, you know, softened heart, when our hearts are invaded and even occupied with the love of money, they get hardened through unbelief. Love of money, hardened heart, unbelief, all connected. However, when we try to imitate the heart of Christ, our hearts get softened. Because softened heart, in the biblical sense, is, is a sign of belief and trust. So when we become gentle and lowly in our hearts, we can become free from the love of the world, from the love of money. Now, there are things that you should fight against. You should face and fight against, like injustice. You know, you know, there are certain things you should face and fight against. But certain things you should, you should flee and abstain from. The two things. Number one is money, and number two is sexual immorality. You don't want to, you don't want to face them and fight against them, you know. You'll be trapped. You should run away from that. You should flee. Now, when you read uh, news about, you know, people, certain people make, you know, become multimillionaire overnight, you know, read those news and, and see people who uh, have luxurious life, you know, have many possessions on Facebook or Facebook or uh, Instagram. You should control your, your, the, the time and then, and the, you know, the, the time that you spend on those SNSs. They're dangerous. I mean, they're, they're useful for communication and for, you know, uh, getting information. But usually, you know, a lot, a lot of young people who spend lots of, lots of time, you know, when they have free time, they just automatically go to, like, Instagram or Facebook, you know, SNSs. They are the ones fall prey to... You know, they become victims to, you know, to love, of, to love of money. Only when we become free from the love of the world, love of money, can we truly see and taste all the spiritual blessings. It is like when we, when, we, when we love money and our hearts are hardened and darkened. So even though the sun is still shining and, and, and conveys heat, you don't feel you don't always feel the light or the heat because of the clouds in the in between you want to take them away you want to remove them in between that's the function of our heart when our heart is poor and pure we shall see god we shall see his spiritual blessings and paul talks about those like in verse 12 today's text he's talking about eternal life he says in verse 12, take hold of the eternal life. Now, this is the greatest possession. Jesus says, even if you have the whole world, entire world, everything that, that's in the world, forget about uh, Bill Gates. Even if you have the entire world, if you do not have a life, talking about eternal life, what good is that? But you as a believer and I as a believer, we have this eternal life. The spiritual, you know, possession, spiritual wealth and blessing that we should focus on those things. 
that can only happen when we go near to God and near when we read His words. He also talks about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 14. I think it's good to get older because you, you, you tend to think more about your death. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm becoming more and more aware that I'll be standing in front of Christ Jesus in the future. Uh, it becomes more real. I mean, it's good, uh, one good thing about getting older. We will stand before him. He also talks about the glory and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. The beauty, I mean, cannot be compared to the, to the, to the, to the allurement of wealth. In verse 15, in the middle, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, and we have immortality as well because when we see him, we shall be like him. We have the immortality. How much it is, is it to buy immortality? If you can, give, you can give the whole world, you can never buy immortality, but we have it. Who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see right now, but we shall see him. We, shall, we will have the right and privilege, enormous privilege to see Him. To Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Now, when our hearts are hardened and darkened by the desires of the world and by the worries of this world, we become blind to see all these wonderful things. Now, what does that mean in our day-to-day in our -day life? In, in, a, in a practical way. Now, as soon as we wake up in the morning, if we're not careful, instead of seeing who God is and recognizing what we have in Christ and who we are, our heart can easily be bombarded with all kinds of worldly cares. You know what I'm talking about. When you wake up in the morning, your mind does not just stop. Your mind starts working and then start thinking, producing Care, uh, worldly cares and worries. And many of our cares and worries have to do with money. The spiritual battle is going on in our life every day. Now this week, I think it was Wednesday morning this week. I had a busy week this week. I was tired. When I woke up, I looked at my phone to see what time it was. And as I was looking and checking, checking the time, I found many messages on my phone, you know, many cacao messages and emails and, you know, and stuff like that. So I, you know, I was tempted to check them before I could do my daily spiritual routine. It was a wrong choice. Nothing was, uh, nothing was uh, uh, imminent. Uh, after checking those messages, naturally I was led to, led to some thoughts and some thoughts, some worries, to be honest. And no big worries, but small worries and two or two, three of them. And it caused me to skip my daily devotional. It happened without even knowing it. It happened. So I started the day without going to God for receiving strength and wisdom for that day's life. 
My heart became fretful. My heart became, was occupied with, with many concerns. I was dealing with many, some problems in my life, and I, be, you know, I, I started worrying about things. I knew what I should have done. I should have read the word and prayed to him. However, I continued to be, so to speak, stiff-necked. I mean, maybe I was too tired or, you know, I did not want to read the word. So, I was talking to myself, oh, these are not big deals. Actually, not, not big problems. I can handle them. And also I said, I heard this voice, I've been a Christian for more than 30 years. Come on, I should be able to handle these problems, not big deals. I'm a pastor even. I can restore peace in my heart. I should be able to restore peace in my heart. Well, I struggled for another 10 to 20 minutes, and my heart became more fretful. A few minutes later, I said, Okay, okay, I should go to the Word. So I opened up Psalm 145. That's my morning routine. I began to read the verses, but my mind was all over the places. You know, you read the, you read the Word, but your mind is all over the places, and you get nothing. You forget, I mean, you, you don't remember what you read. So I read it again, read it again. Sooner or later, I was able to focus on the words I was reading. And God spoke to me, you know, when you read the whole chapter, you know, one or two, two verses, you know, usually uh, catch your attention. So I was reading, uh, you know, I was, uh, God was, you know, speaking to me through verse 18. Verse 18, it says, Psalm 145, The Lord is near to all who call on Him. Now, as I was meditating on this verse, the Lord is near to all who call on Him. He started speaking to me. Powerfully. And I became like a child in my heart. And this verse started softening my hardened heart. And as I was meditating upon this verse, I was released from my worries, and my heart slowly became filled with peace, and I started praising God. It wasn't because of me. It was, it was the power of the Word of God. It was power from the Word of God. You see, We're not told to fight against the worries in our life or against the love of money or love of the world on our own initiative because we cannot win them in our own strength. Remember the lies that I believed? I've been a Christian for over 30 years and I'm a pastor. You know, these are small problems. I can handle them. No, 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 no. We are weak. Doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, I, I'm experienced in certain ways in the world, but when it comes to the spiritual battle, there's nothing I can win the battle on our own initiative. We're, we're sheep, not shepherds. We're God's sheep, not shepherds. And salvation never comes from us. 
Salvation always comes from, from God the Father. We need Him. We need His strength and we need His wisdom. It doesn't matter how long you have been believers, how long I have been a believer. It doesn't matter. We need Him and His milk every day, just like our physical body needs food every day. You and I need Him every day. And the, and the wonderful promise is that He is near already to all who call on Him. Now, let's not neglect on this, on this wonderful blessing and promise. He is near to all who call on Him. So, brothers and sisters, when we feel that we're tempted to love money or to love anything in the world, when we find ourselves in worries and, or fears, let us go to our loving Father who always saves, helps, and gives wisdom and strength to his children. That's the, that's the, that's the heart in gent, that is gentle and lowly. Gentle and lowly in heart. Christ who, I mean, it would be more appropriate for him to say, my heart is as uh, hard as rock. I'm confident, powerful. But he says, gentle and lowly. He became gentle and lowly to obey his Father and to love us. And we should be gentle and lowly to, to obey and trust in the Father and to fight against um, the, things, the temptation of the things of the world. Because when we, become, when we are weak, he becomes strong. God becomes strong when we are weak. So... Um, Ready to admit that we are weak and powerless, but we will win because Christ in us is strong. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity and this teaching uh, through your word that it exposes uh, the idols in our hearts. Lord, we long for prosperity and we sometimes complain and worry about our being in need. Lord, but we do believe that everything and every circumstance in our life is engineered and ordained by you for your glory and for our good. Help us to be content. Help us to go to you. Every time we feel that it's, it's late, is the time to go to you. It's never late to go to you. Lord, help us to depend on you and seek you just like a baby when, when, when the baby wakes up, always seeks, seeks mom and dad. Always. That's the first thing. Because he, the baby knows instinctively that everything that he needs or she needs, he can get them from mommy and daddy. Lord, we can get everything that we need from you. Lord, help us to become like a child, have a childlike faith. Pray that you will bless and help our brothers and sisters in this church, that every day in their lives, they can walk with you and talk with you until the day that we are called by you to stand before you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.